Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to The Danger Room, the X-Men featuring Cyclops and Marvel Girl comic commentary podcast. Ooh, that was a mouthful. I'm Adam. I'm Jeremy, and I bet you you can't say that five times fast. I, I had trouble saying it that once. What was that, take three? Something like that. <laughs> We're here to discuss number 48 of X-Men featuring Cyclops and Marvel Girl, the September 1968 issue, titled... The longest title ever, Beware Computo, Commander of the Robot Hive. I'm going to check something here real quick. I don't think that's what it said in the last issue was coming up next um no it said computo and his somewhat sinister cybertrons yeah i'm getting uh the the next or the featurings or whatever you want to call them they seem to be hit and miss these uh these days well <laughs> the last issue did say next the origin of angel yes so we'll see if that ever comes to pass all right yeah so it's computo everybody you know that that villain computo Heck yeah. Uh, <laughs> remember Age of Computo? That was a great storyline. What? <laughs> Age of Computo. Don't you remember? It was, you know, they did it in the 90s. Really? No. Oh. I thought you were all serious, and I was like, really? They came back to this? <laughs> I was making a comparison to Apocalypse or, uh, you know. Oh, Wow. Uh, that's a stretch. Sorry. I'm not the only one who didn't get that. Age of Computo. All right, fine. Although Apocalypse does make an appearance in this issue. Fall of Computo? Fine, I'll stop. <laughs> yeah, actually, on the cover here, it, you've got Cyclops. He's blasting away at some um, guys that are flying at him. Some Computo guys. I would assume they're Computo guys. And uh, in the background, in like what you know, like one of those 25-cent bubble machines where you get like a little <laughs> prize... It looks like there's little Cylons curled up into, uh, uh, you know, in the fetal position in the yeah, bubble. A bunch of them are in the fetal position, and some of them are bursting out of their shells. I'd say they look like stormtroopers, but they're they're much fatter and wider, just you know, like those classic Cylons. And uh, yeah, it's Marvel Girl, and uh, she's using some of her uh, telekinesis on one of them, and Cyclops is using his uh, optic beams on the other one, and uh, totally missing. Totally missing, and we're being asked what waits within the hive. Well, I can't wait to find out. I'm guessing it's Computo. <laughs> or the Cybertrons, according to the last issue. We, we turn the page and we get to, uh, as X-Men said, beware Computo, the blah, 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 hives and robots and stuff. And uh, the first panel is a very attractive young red-headed lady in a uh, leopard print bikini. Who's that? I don't know, but it's a very odd way of starting out an X-Men comic. I can only assume that the X-Men are attending a fashion show, and there's a uh, red-headed girl who is uh, showing off the uh, latest summer wear. <laughs> the latest Integra wear? <laughs> well, whatever. It's the 60s. Who knows? Before we get too far, uh, Stan Lee, of course, is our chief data processor. Arnold Drake is back at the helm. Um, Don Heck and Werner Roth are sharing pencil duties. And we got John Verputin on pens, and I won Watanabe. Watanabe. I Watanabe. 
He's doing the lettering. Letterbug. <laughs> and we find out that this is not actually a summer fashion show. It's actually Gene, who is at a beach wear job. This is her job. She's a model. She's a bikini model. And we get some classic 60 dialogue where the lady says, what's so special about this new model? She's she's fresh, boss lady, like an Easter bunny or an oven hot biscuit. And that's the name of our game. And then we get sexist uh, guy with money uh, pockets, hands in his pockets. He's got a point there, Candy. That's the tastiest package of goodies we'd open around here in months. <laughs> and then somebody slaps somebody slaps Gene on the ass, and off they go. <laughs> Yo, don't kid me. You love a doll face. Oh, you. Now, see, I didn't find the first one to be terribly sexist, this... but the second one was just over-the-top sexist. Package of goodies? Yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, and then uh, the photography. Okay, lower those eyes. Give us the sleepy look. Take a breath. Zam! Well, that's a winner. Cut. Now give me that long ago and far away look. Mm, perfect. perfect. That's because she's thinking of her past and the X-Men and Xavier and the fantastic family of super beings. <sighs> oh, and the professor, he sacrificed himself. Oh, and Hanky Bobby are in California now and Scott and and herself are in New York and Warren is a roving agent. Wait a minute. Bobby and Hank are in California? Yeah, I guess that's where the last issue didn't take place. <laughs> that's fine. I'm fine with that. Like, they were on their way to the bus and that's when they stopped uh, to see uh, uh, what's-his-face, Merlin or whatever his name is. I can yes. buy that. But I think we should all just rest on that for a moment. It may come back later. Uh Bobby and Hank are in California. Just remember that for okay. next for next week, maybe. Okay. <laughs> Marble Girl is changing uh, outfits very fast. Some of them are pretty good, uh, and some of them are atrocious. What happened to her waist in panel three of page two here? She seems to have <laughs> lost a ton of weight. <laughs> I did not even look. I didn't even notice that. Like in the first panel there, she's got like some green... I don't know, like aquatic outfit on or, or swimsuit on. And she's got a very nice figure, um, yeah. curvy and everything like that. She's got some like child-bearing that. hips. Oh, absolutely. And then you flip over to the third panel, and it's literally like, uh, um, you know, Sally Struthers is wiping flies away from her head and offering her a sandwich or something. Like, she she looks, yeah, terrible in this panel. Yeah, it's it's... It's too much, guys. Come on. Honestly, I was looking at the top half and not really focusing on the midriff, if you catch my drift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're looking at that package of goodies. <laughs> it's the best one I opened up all month. <laughs> yes. Uh, Marvel Girl is getting quite the treatment this issue. So we move on, and she's uh, thinking to herself that this modeling career is just an excuse uh, for her folks uh, so that she can stay away from them. Um my question is, how old do you think the X-Men are at this point? Um, 17. Really? That would be my guess. I mean, time moves very slowly. At 17 years old, can you be a bikini model in downtown Manhattan? Hey, it's the 60s, baby. <laughs> See, I always kind of pictured, like, um, they're all seniors except for Bobby. Bobby is maybe like the, he's probably like a, a sophomore or a, a junior or something like that. So... When they're graduating, they're all graduating at about 18 years old, and Bobby is still about 17. That's the way I always 
imagine. All right, I can I can I can agree with that. I would I would say that Bobby's still sixteen though. Sixteen or seventeen. Okay. Sixteen and a half. I'll split the difference with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But bottom line, like the majority of the X Men are they're all old enough to drive cars. Uh they're old enough to live away from their parents. My my I don't know. My question is why does she feel so beholden to her parents that she's gotta come up with this modeling cover story? Well she's gotta tell them I mean I guess they know that the school closed, so she has to tell them why she's still in uh, New York. Couldn't she why just didn't she come home? Couldn't she just tell them like, "Yeah, the professor he left us all of his money if we kept." I guess that would be a weird story. This crazy old man left us all <laughs> of his money in his mansion, but we can't go back because the FBI kicked us out. Yeah, it's too complicated. Okay, fair enough. Better to just tell them she got a modeling career. So the photographer, he's setting up some uh, uh, some lighting for the next shot uh, to get the highlights in Gene's hair. Uh, but he wants to get one of the lights, and he trips over a cord, or he calls somebody a dodo. So I'm not really sure who trips over the light. You and I have both spent time on a film set. <laughs> and one of the number one rules is you wear gloves when you're manipulating lights. Those things get really hot. This guy is not a professional. <laughs> clearly, clearly an amateur. I'm pretty sure Gene just answered like the first want ad that came out, and it's just some seedy guy who's like, okay, now take off your top. What? Take off your top. I don't want to. <laughs> don't you want to make it in this world, baby? Take off your top. Okay. So the lamp falls on the photographer after somebody trips on it, but Marvel, quick thinking, who has, by the way, changed into yet another bikini, uh, stops the lights falling on his head with uh, her telekinetic powers. And which allows the photographer to manage to catch the lights. Again, they're probably searing hot at this point, and he burns his hands. Luckily, he's too excited to realize it. I'm sure these are fluorescents, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the, uh, the 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 lady who's taking care of the models says, "That's the third near disaster to miss us. Will you've been on the job, Gene? Yeah, you're right. This is a shady outfit. <laughs> exactly. We got lights falling over, constant costume changes. For you, we got an accident an hour." crazy mustache men who are like, hmm, baby, you, you're a good piece of candy. Let me open up that package. Oh, and then crazy mustache man comes in, comes in and he's like, as half owner of candy studio, I specialize in repaying favors. Shall we say dinner and eight? <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely breathing hard in this panel. He's got a mustache. <laughs> Absolutely. That's how you know he's seedy. And he's got the crooked eyebrow and the, the lines on his forehead. Oh, you know, he's up to no good. He looks like he's about 40. He's a sleaze. The Marvel girl's like, ugh. She's really giving him that, ugh. <laughs> but then somebody pops in in the shadows and says, no. Let's say pistols at dawn, or would you prefer flash bulbs at 200 paces? He could have stopped at pistols at dawn. That would have been cool enough. Yeah, the flash bulbs, that didn't really make the, the threat any worse. <laughs> Scott, you're almost an hour early. And apparently Scott is a hunk of mail, yeah. according to this other lady. hunk of mail like that is never too early. So they're all basically sexist, treating each other like little <laughs> meat dishes. Apparently and, uh, Scott's been working out quite a bit, as we saw in the last couple of issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as Scott comes onto the panel, though, you kind of look at him and you're like, this is not a hunk of mail. He's got like the worst haircut. He's got this butt chin, these terrible sunglasses, and he's wearing a turtleneck. Kind of reminds me of the guy from Bewitched. Darren? Yeah, Darren oh. from Bewitched. 
Okay, I mean, I don't know. I think or maybe maybe we'll for my dream of Genie. Genie? Who is that? Was that Darren? I don't remember. They're all the same to me. <laughs> They're all Darren. I think Darren was from I Dream of Genie. I can't remember who was from Bewitched. Didn't they both have the same job? I think one was an astronaut and one was a pilot. <laughs> 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 Got to be honest. I think they both worked for the government in some capacity. Anyhow. Get one of those cushy government jobs. There you go. You get a genie or a witch. Speaking of which. Or a Marvel girl. Uh, Cyclops says, uh, I thought you might need a little help, referring to Gene, but I didn't know you were going to require the whole U.S. Marines. I don't know what that means. Um, I don't know. In order to keep this sleazy off of Gene, he he needs the whole U.S. Marines. I, I, I Yeah, I, I don't know. Okay. So then he says, now, sir, if dueling at dawn would unduly interrupt your beauty sleep, I'd be quite willing to accommodate you like now. So he's from the deep south. <laughs> <laughs> you almost expect that he's grown like a huge white handlebar mustache. And he's like, it's too hot out here. Well, he's rolling with the whole, you know, pistols at dawn thing. Bill, can I get some lemonade for my guests? It is hot out here. Shoot. Marvel Girl grabs Cyclops's hands before he's able to punch Mustache Man. He must I mean Cyclops has grabbed Mustache's man, Mustache Man's tie. Oh, it's not even Marvel Marvel Girl. It's uh bikini clad female number 12. Mm. You're right. Another hold it dark guys. It wasn't as bad as it looked. And then all of a sudden there's like three girls like all over him like, "Hmm. Uh, what's a Lee Marvin type like you lowering the boom on Mr. Dane?" And he does look better in this panel than he looked in the previous panel. True. He, he looks, looks kind of suave. He's he's like a young, you know, uh, uh, famous actor inserted here. Yeah. I read somewhere, and maybe I brought this up in some other pod- podcast, but the more lines you add to a comic book character's face, the older they look. Yeah, and that's, that's true. That's what's it's go- actually true on the next panel in Marvel Girl's face. I think she so. suddenly grows to like 20 years. Yeah, well, the makeup has come off. Are you talking about the fifth panel here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she... got lines under her eyes, lines in her cheekbones, lines on her boobs. Oh yeah, <laughs> she got, she got... I wasn't actually looking there, but yeah, now that you mention it, she got wrinkly boobs. Uh, and so she's uh, he's being pawed by these girls, and uh, he says, "Watch it, girls!" But then that's when Marvel Girl swats uh, swoops in and says. Before you, I don't, is it Marvel Girl that says, before you play in the safari, just know that you're poaching in my reserve. Okay, so yes, she's saying that he's mine. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Their relationship has jumped forward a huge notch, and we just haven't realized it. And uh, Scott says, hey, hey, does this Hunted have anything to say here? So for 49 issues or 48 issues or whatever we're on here he's been like oh jeans though and now he's like well hang on now these these ladies have a nice point here maybe maybe uh i never noticed other ladies think i'm attractive maybe i should uh hang out with them they seem kind of cool yeah and she says nope just tell them one word bye bye which That's two words is two words well i guess it's one word twice yeah okay fair enough just one word twice. I got one bye, word for bye. you that I'm going to repeat twice. Bye-bye. <laughs> so we turn the page to continue their crazy... Wait, what? I don't know. Where what... are we now? 
why we're at, at that moment in a subterranean structure that defies the wild of satanic imaginings. <laughs> now, my satanic imaginings get pretty wild. How about yours? I don't really have satanic imaginings, but I imagine that if I did, they'd look nothing like this. What what are these? What does this look like? It looks like the Celestials. It does look like the Celestials, yeah. If I were to wager a guess, the main structure of this panel that seems to have all of the little Cylon bubbles in, in it, in, in it mm-hmm. would be the Celestial's chest. And then that orange thing that's coming off the top, that would be the beginning of his neck, and then his head would be off panel. Yeah, something like that. Uh, it's definitely some sort of robot thing, or or it's being... Well, no, yeah. A voice is coming from off screen. Uh, yeah. This is a Z alert. Prepare <laughs> to strike the final blow for your creator and master, Computo. So Computo is talking. Computo. This is like a <laughs> totally random cut. <laughs> Meanwhile, at Computo's headquarters. <laughs> Meanwhile, across town at Computo's headquarters. We will destroy the X-Men. So he pops out three dudes. One with tiny little eyes, one that looks like a slug, and one that is apocalypse. I prefer to think that he births these. <laughs> because, I mean, it looks like these little things are little uh, computo embryos or, or uh, I don't know, computo fetuses. And, and now, these... I may have never been in the birthing chamber upon <laughs> the sound and heard, heard, heard the sounds of the newborn, but I'm pretty sure it does not sound like curs, <laughs> craz. That's kind of like, that's what it sounded like when my daughter was born. <laughs> you know. Oh, it's a beautiful the girl. That's beautiful. I'm going to call her Computo. <laughs> that's our new daughter, Cybertron. <laughs> okay, so I guess, I don't know what these three things are, but they're new life. They're automatons with new life. They're going to do some sort of thing for Computo. It doesn't really say what, but they're they're yours to command, great Computo. We are yours to command, great computo. And that's it. (laughs) Insert horrible 60s sci-fi sound effect here. (laughs) So we cut back to Scott and Jean Grey as though we'd never left them. Yeah. They're leaving the uh, model area. And uh, the whole thing was, I guess, a performance. Yes, Turns out these are just the cover stories, as we kind of established earlier. Gene is concerned about what Cyclops's uh, cover is, and he says, Oh, yeah? Well, just take a listen to this transistor set. Radio? What in the... This is Scott Summers, your radio correspondent with the first of series of Inside Reports on City Hall. How good is the good government administration of Mayor Van Sleet? Well, spend this week unraveling that political puzzle. Turns out he is an inside. He's a he's a right wing pundit. Yeah, he, he's he's pretty good at it too. <laughs> a radio reporter, but how can you be broadcasting now? Ah, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> Women don't understand technology. The wonders of tape recording, honey. I did this three hours ago, and then I slept for the rest of the day. <laughs> That's when yeah. I came to meet you. <laughs> now make me a sandwich. This job puts me where it's at. The newsroom keeps me in touch with everything, which is good for our undercover purposes, maybe. See, uh, this is where... Who's writing this issue again? What's his name? Um, Art Vandelay? No. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... Uh... 
uh, uh, Bobby Drake, Arnold Drake. Arnold Drake clearly has not done any character study or read any of the previous issues because all of Cyclops's dialogue in this issue is completely out of character. This is the new Cyclops. He's the new swinging Cyclops. Hey, baby, it's the 60s. Is it still the 60s? It's still the 60s. It's the 60s. It's still the 60s, baby. I'm going to live it up. I spent the first seven years of the 60s doing nothing. Now I'm going to do it all. You want to get some coke? (laughs) (laughs) He's coming out of his shell. You know, he's just got this brand new journalism job. He's like living life up. The bikini babes are ogling him. Yeah, yeah. He's... This is a new Cyclops. All right, a Cyclops he's a suit. He's no longer wearing the bow tie, <laughs> which is sad, if you ask me. <laughs> uh, so then she uh, she may mention something about oh, with this equipment you can play music like the chocolate covered ash can, whatever the hell that is. I don't know. It seems like it's a made-up band's name. Maybe it's referencing the Chocolate Wash ba- Watch Band, but I don't know. Either way, Cyclops says, Fantastic, spending 20,000 watts to broadcast that. And look, outside, in that truck, a 50,000-watt transmitter. It uses a vacuum tube the size of a man. And that is one large peanut whistle. But the power of that electronic equipment is not confined to mere innocent applications, Adam. Oh, no. I, I'm i detecting a little green frog guy. Yeah. And those who seek its power are vessels of more than flesh and blood. Wait a minute. I want to stop the comic book here real quick. <laughs> good, good sound effect. You mean to tell me that some man or machine in a satanic underdwelling of a subterranean base or something like that that's able to birth electronic life uh, needs to steal a vacuum tube tube transmitter? <laughs> Is that what you mean to tell me? Yep. Okay. A really big one too. <laughs> these are machines, so presumably somebody built this machine, and in order to build these machines, you would have to spend a heck of a lot of money on. Parts, pieces, research and development, software development, etc. Why on earth would you need to steal this antenna or whatever it is? Why couldn't you just buy it? They've got one of those Target special 10,000 watt uh, vacuum tubes and they, they need they need one with 50,000. They need more power so they can pump out more Cybertrons. Hey, man, I'm cool with that, man. Get themselves, get them a 100,000 watt vacuum tube. It don't matter, but... Why on earth aren't they just buying it? Why are they hatching this stupid plan to send out freshly birthed automatons to go steal it? They don't have money. They're in the subterranean suburbs. They got to pay rent. <laughs> oh, okay. They spent all their money on subterranean satanic imaginings <laughs> rent. So, Yeah, you know, subterranean realty. Okay. Well, the automatons, frogmen, and... I guess early apocalypse, maybe. Well, he no longer looks like apocalypse, he's sadly. Like, now he's like muscle man. He's very pink and has large hands. Yeah. Uh, they uh, attack the movers and say, hey, drop that equipment. It's ours. And we're going to kill you if you don't give it to us with a crazy... Yeah. It looks like this guy's grabbing the Z. I'm not sure if which... If I can just grab that Z! <laughs> yeah. I could throw the Z back at him, and he won't know it. I don't know which guy this is. I guess I mean it's not Frog Guy or formerly Apocalypse Guy, but it's basically it's robot like, head with tiny arms. It's like Radiohead or something. Ooh, 
<laughs> Not the band. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he just looks like he has a radio for a head. Um, He sends out some electric... Is he a creep? He's definitely a creep. Is he a paranoid android? Definitely. Anyhow, so he uh, shoots off some elect- ultrasonic energy. And that's when Cyclops and uh, Marvel Girl notice that the robots are trying to steal a fortune in radio equipment. And they're both looking at each other saying, why are robots trying to steal electronic equipment when they could just either make it or buy it themselves? Clearly they have the resources for it. And uh, Johnny Ace Mover jumps into the truck, hoping that he can get away from these guys and then run them down with the truck. He attempts to do so. And uh, Robot Man spots him. Or Radiohead spots him. <laughs> yes. And uses his shatter ray to shatter every bone in the truck's body. The wheel falls off the truck. And then, um, I guess... What's this F4 in the corner? Well, Quick, I, F4. Oh, I don't know. It's probably like the license plate blowing off of the truck. Oh, okay. Holy Hannah, the truck is shaking apart. Well, it sounds like first sound waves and then the kick of an elephant. So Radiohead gives them the sound waves. <laughs> and so the kick from the elephant must have come from the side. From Frogman, I'm gathering. Sure. That works for me. The blast is coming from that fish-faced robot. I'll close his mouth for him. And then we get magic hands. At least Cyclops is able to, you know, make fun of the robot or the artwork that's depicting the robot. You have gained only a brief victory over my brother Cybertron, but now you shall feel the searing caress of my thermal hands. Don't worry, baby. I'll be gentle. Ooh, magic hands. Good try, but he'll have to try harder. So Cyclops dodges out of the way. But then he's cornered. Yeah, it doesn't matter because Large Hands Robot corners Cyclops and is basically, looks like he's pushing down on his chest with his very enormous thumbs. <laughs> I see that he hasn't quite touched him yet. He's about to crush him with his thumbs, though. All right. He's looking for the nipples. He wants to find them first, <laughs> and then he's going to press down. Work the nipples. <laughs> so then Cyclops blasts away at the uh, uh, Big Hand Robot. He goes flying back. And I think he actually destroys him. Correction. There's no escape for you from my optic blasts. Because we we, ne- we never, I mean, spoiler, we never see this guy again. I wanted the surprise to be there, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> but the weird mouth robot is now heard from, and he goes, whoosh, activating its mighty internal bellows to inhale a roaring column of air. And Cyclops twists and turns and with a mighty arg and a zawoosh and a whap he hits a wall (laughs) and that's when we turn to uh the last panel on the page where we see that fish face man has tripled or quadrupled in size and now is just a big stupid looking macy's blimp (laughs) or macy's parade balloon floating around presumably a lot heavier yeah well he's floating isn't he well he's jumping And then he says, you shall be crushed out of existence as a solemn warning. (laughs) Okay, whatever. To to all he would dispute the supremacy of Scomputo, master of Cybertrons. So these guys are Cybertrons. Ah, so Cybertrons are baby Computos. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Makes perfect sense. Uh, So this little Computo, the fish-faced Computo, is I I think maybe doing a, a body slam on Cyclops. Maybe he wasn't actually floating. Yeah, exactly. He's okay. jumping into the air and increasing his mass at the same time 
he's performing a blob type move. Mm-hmm. So uh, Psych or uh, Marvel Girl stops him. She's stuttering, of course. I, I, I've got him, Psych. I've g- g- got him. Is she stuttering because of the sound waves from before? Because the other guys were stuttering too. I thought she was stuttering because of the sheer weight of fish face computer Cybertron. Oh, baby. So yeah. she's she's under a lot of heavy force there. Yeah. Okay. And that's when Cyclops handily blows a uh, fish face computer guy away. Kablam! Yep. And he's, yeah, he's destroyed in two pieces. So I would say that you're right. The other guy, the big hand guy, he was demolished by Cyclops' optic blast. So, hey, t- chalk up two, two check boxes for the X-Men. And for Cyclops, really. They're, you know, they are much better when they're apart. It's true. When has Cyclops ever just taken two, two villains out? Just like that. Bam, bam. And then had the genius idea of when the third one is trying to escape to have uh, Jean Grey use her psychic powers that Professor Xavier helped to develop to trail the robot with by his mental pattern. Well, I mean, you know I have a problem with that because it's a robot. But... Don't worry, Jeremy. So does Marvel Girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're right. They do, do, they, they do a good job of explaining that. She says, yes, but this is an electronic brain we're up against, even though that never stopped the professor. Right. <laughs> it might not work. Wait, I'm starting to get psychic emanations. Woot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she's got a clear mind print. That's kind of cool. And uh, if she can keep it within range, she can follow it like a radio homing signal right to its hideout. Count on Jean Grey to explain a little bit better how she follows the robots around. I think that's kind of a cool explanation, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Mind print. It's a cool concept. So anyways, uh, they are led to the Apex Sand and Gravel Company Incorporated uh, Sand Pit. Where they're positive that it couldn't be here. Yes, because no other villain has had their base uh, underneath the ground, underneath a hill, underneath a mountain, uh, in a mountain. That's never happened. So, sand pit, that makes no sense. You couldn't hide a base on a sand pit. This on is crazy. second thought, says Scott, just why is a work site like this so dead in the middle of the business day? Lunch break, maybe? I don't know. Uh, come on, let's have a look-see. Union break, you know. <laughs> Strike. Turns out it's actually Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she, he, yeah, he shoots uh, at the sand, just randomly shoots one place, and he finds a hidden door. Amazing. That leads into tunnels. He's got good intuition, that boy. Reminiscent of Carl's Bad Cavern. Now, let me ask you this. Weren't they just in Manhattan? Where is a sand pit like this? Well, we don't know where in New York they were. Where else are they going to be? They could be in anywhere in New York. Maybe they were talking about state. I don't know. Well, you know as well as I know that most Marvel stories take place in the island of Manhattan. Oh, you know, they they trailed this robot back to his lair somewhere in the subterranean zone. Yep. Now, I've only been to Manhattan a couple times, but this would be like an hour and a half away. Okay, okay. And these guys are walking you didn't, you know, they have, there's a car right there. Cyclops doesn't drive a two-door purple Mustang-looking car. <laughs> he does now. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess he does have the keys to Professor X's uh, inheritance, right? So he's like, here's your stipend, everybody, and a car for me. 
I'm gonna take this car and this car and this car and this X-copter and this X-plane. You know what I like? Motorcycles. <laughs> so, anyways, they're uh, descending around through these tunnels, and uh, they finally find what looks like a robot witch's circle. Yeah, I guess that's what a robot witch's circle would look like if I had ever seen one. I don't know what's going on here. There's like a a big giant robot who's beaming out light onto the onto five robots. And apparently oh, our our uh radiohead is in the middle. His name is Cybertron 19B. Oh, okay. It's not Radiohead. <laughs> I like Radiohead better, but anyhow. <laughs> You have failed in your duty to Computo. So is this guy Computo, or is he like Computo? I believe this speaker? giant guy is Computo. For this, there is but one answer. And then somebody else says, You know the penalty for failure, 19B. See, Computo forms the energy bridge. Advance. Yes, yeah, so that's definitely Computo. Okay. So the white light, or the light is an energy bridge. You're telling me, look, the guy, Computo can build an energy bridge. Why on earth were they trying to steal a radio tube? <laughs> None of this makes any he, sense, Adam. Because they got to create energy brand flakes. I don't know. Look, it does, I get that, but they don't need to steal it. That's one. Of, that's something they could buy. They could just open up a catalog of radio supplies and be like, yeah, it's a little pricey, but I think we're going to get the 50,000-watt vacuum tube. You expect Computo to lower his standards to these human being purchasing and buying and whatevering computer will not pay these prices this is highway robbery 190 <laughs> get me that tube anyhow um 19b is not disagreeable he's like yeah man you're right i totally failed you should do something about that and uh so they dump him into some looks like some sort of trash compactor this is kind of cool. It's like recycling before recycling was hot. And they say, uh, <laughs> you know, you failed, and that's okay because we're going to throw you back into Computo. Computer's going to take all of your parts into scraps, and then you will rise as another better Cybertron. Yeah, and he's all happy with it. He says, long live Computo. And apparently Computer's like, attention, biosensor number three report human intruders. <laughs> And if you look at that same panel, one of these uh, robots, or the only robot in the panel, is housing a, a huge member. Oh, my gosh. That's when Computo <laughs> says, this is a Z-alert, a Z-alert. <laughs> Something's wrong with the Cybertron. Something's wrong with his Cybertron. <laughs> Your Cybertron is much larger than anyone else's. <laughs> Definite Z-alert violation. <laughs> yeah, he's traveling along the Z-axis. <laughs> uh, wah, wah, wah. Wait a minute. So a Z alert is human invaders, but there there were no humans in the previous Z alert. Computer only has one alert, and that's the <laughs> Z alert. Z alert warning. Z alert. Computer is hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cyclops says, "Here they come, Marvel Girl," and so they start shooting at the Cybertrons. He instantaneously activates all cells of the Cybertron hive. Why didn't he just do this in the first place? If you want to guarantee the robots get the vacuum tube, send them all. Yeah, and why would you send the freshly birthed Cybertrons? Why wouldn't you send some more experienced Cybertrons? I don't know. Like, these Cybertrons have been around for a couple of years. I'm going to send them. They know the city. They know the people. 
not going to send these freshly born. They're just going to watch on the monitors and, you know. Union rights to the freshly born. Here you go. Oh, we got tenure. Send those new Tybertrons. <laughs> All right. So Marvel Girl and uh, Cyclops over the next couple of panels are blasting the various different kinds of robots. Computo yeah. is like, uh, do not estimate the girl. She has infinite mental powers. Maybe she can see something that others can't. Ooh. Hmm? Hmm. Hmm? Oh. Mm. <laughs> I don't. Somebody just clearly messed up on the dialogue there. <laughs> uh, so she starts ripping these guys to shreds with her kinetic powers, her kinetic intensity. Yeah. With her infinite mental powers. Yeah. Uh, and Cyclops says we're taking a terrible toll on them, but it's not enough for everyone we destroy. Three more of them replace. So Computo is just pumping these things out. Yeah, such as the one with the slinky arms, or the one with the uh, what is that robot or uh, antennae of a small bug? Yeah, uh, you got antenna man. You've also or got the one with the target face, bullseye face. Um, yeah, just these, these crazy robots are being pumped out left and right. Uh, but they they just keep blasting away, uh, and so Cyclops has the brilliant plan of we got to get to Computo. He keeps pumping them out, so we got to stop him. And uh, he gets up there, and he runs up, and he shoots him. And yeah. he doesn't miss. The armor doesn't deflect the optic beam. Cyclops literally shoots him, and he destroys Computo. The, sh- the metal shell is tougher than I thought. That shot didn't even slow it down. Got to keep hitting it over and over till I strike a nerve. And they're almost on top of me. Only time for one more shot. There she goes. She's weakening. It's getting ready to blow. Okay, fine. It wasn't one shot, but it was darn close. It's two shots. Well, okay. Anyhow, they make it sound like it's a lot of shots. That's Cyclops just over <laughs> over dramatizing his movements. Sit. He does that when he makes a sandwich. He's like, "Oh, almost out of bread. Not gonna have enough bread to make this sandwich. Ah, but I found a second slice. Now, where's the mayo?" <laughs> I don't know. So Marvel Girl or Cyclops are like, all right, well, there we go. We we did it. Let's go find out what's going on, see what's the central intelligence. Couldn't be another machine, could it? What was the central intelligence behind them? I just can't believe. I can't believe it was just another machine. You're right. You're right, Marvel Girl. No ordinary machine or common brain could have commanded Computo. Only the living product of man and machine. All human knowledge combined with the electronic speed could develop such genius. And there is but one such entity in all of the universe. I, Davros of the... Oh, I mean Quasimodo. Yeah, surely you remember old Quasimotivational Destruct Organ. Is this an Avengers guy or... Who is uh, you know, I meant to look this up before we started, <laughs> but I did. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, you would think that Stan would be like, as featured in Avengers number 28. So it's Quasimodo, everybody. Your favorite villain is back, Quasimodo, and he made Computo to birth little robots. And apparently Quasimodo, who could put all this together, also needed to steal radio antenna equipment. Again, yeah, maybe, he, maybe, maybe that was a clue. I mean, maybe... 
Quasimodo eats radio uh, vacuum tubes. <laughs> Again, he could just buy one, open up his checkbook. I imagine that Quasimodo, like an appearance of Quasimodo in these days is much like an appearance of Modoc today. Mail order, hello. <laughs> Send a self-addressed stamped envelope to the following address to get our catalog of radio tubes. Not enough wattage, man. <laughs> they don't have stamps in computer. The FCC won't give me a license, therefore I need to steal that tube. See, now that would have worked for me. <laughs> Damn government getting involved in my purchasing power. Was the FCC around in the 1968? Now you're going to get technical on me, Adam? <laughs> Anyhow, Quasimodo, he leaps up some stairs and jumps into a, I don't know what this is, it's a door, which I assume is a ship of some sort. And uh, while he's escaping, he pulls a lever which sends a, a underwater river to Marvel Girl and Cyclops. Because every underground fortress should be equipped with a lever that floods the whole thing with water. Well, this is his subterranean satanic hole. Yeah. All right. It's got to be flooded. How are they going to escape, Adam? Because it certainly looks like Quasimodo escaped. Let me tell you. Yes, I'm all ears. They are going to, using the power of levitation that we all know Jean Grey has, they are going to float above the water to an exit. Once they reach the exit, they're going to use the exit. <laughs> Once they're on the other side of the exit, they're going to destroy the exit so that the water can't get out of the exit, thereby saving the countryside from flooding. And then they're going to stand around talking. Oh, my gosh. My heart was pumping the entire time <laughs> you told me that story. And that happened in three panels. Do you know how much adrenaline was pumping during that story? Well, I tried to make it exciting. You know, I tried to use the exciting voice. I had so many fight or flight moments during that story. I, I can't even tell you. Um, yeah, they swim away and shoot a door. That's that's how they. And then uh, Marvel says, well, that ends the threat of Quasimodo for now. And then Scott, being all eloquent and thoughtful, says, that's all we can ever ask for, Gene. Evil is as recurrent as the cataclysmic upheavals of nature that convulse our planet from time to time. I hope we'll always face the unknown together, Scott, she thinks. She totally did not listen to him. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're saying, man, but... <sighs> Shut up, you're hot. <laughs> okay, a couple of things I want you to remember, dear listener. Beast and Iceman are in California, and the next issue will feature... The Beast and Iceman facing Mitoxo, the Lava Man. Bum, bum, bum. Bum. Thank you. <laughs> hey, we'll remember that. Just one question is uh, begs to be answered, Adam. Who What's is that? Who is this Quasimodo guy? Well, as I just happened to be surfing the internet the other day, Yes. Quasimodo is a Fantastic Four villain. Get out of here. He was apparently created by the Mad Thinker uh, in an attempt to thwart Mr. Fantastic. And apparently Silver Surfer gave him his body, and um, and he still has some relevance in today's uh, Marvel world. I guess he was a part of Norman Osborn's hammer in the recent um, Avengers bad guys, whatever they did, our Dark Avengers or Dark Reign or whatever it was called. Didn't read it. 
I did. It was all right. Okay. I figure I'll read through these 60s comics and work my way up to those. Oh, yeah, we'll have to cover those. Yeah, because when the X-Men, uh, you know, um, storylines branch out that way, I want to make sure that I'm I'm hip to all of them. we got to read. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will it be old and talking like this? Oh, this is around when we started the podcast. Do you remember that? Do you remember Quasimodo? Yes. We thought he was so funny, and now look at him now. Such an amazing villain. So there you have it, folks. That's the end of uh, the first part of our podcast. Uh, As we were talking about last week, this week promised to be the start of the origin of the angel. However, as Marvel has done in the 60s, they just can't stick to a plan, it seems. So, instead, we get a quick little rundown of Beast's powers. And I would like to give this the same treatment that you gave (laughs) Iceman last week for the sake of brevity. Okay, so everybody, this is the fantastical story of Beast's powers. He can bounce around a room. He can outrun trees and bounce off of rocks, and he can climb up a wall, and then he can jump off of a building. And when he lands, he can absorb all of the impact because he's got some weird coily muscle things. He can jump, and he can hit somebody in the stomach with his feet, and he can punch people in the face. And he's got big feet that he likes to massage, and he can actually write his own name with his toes. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? He can also fix things with his hand and his feet both at the same time, which is pretty Pretty amazing if you think about it. But, you know, when he's not fighting crime, he also likes to read a good book like uh, Proust, Voltaire, Shakespeare, Homer, science, math, and history. He also likes to look at statues, and he likes uh, instruments, the plays, writing statues. And sometimes when he gets the call to help out his buddies, he takes off of his clothes, and he jumps over cars. And he'll jump up a building, and he'll catch onto the X-copter, and he'll get in and say, Hey, guys, here I am. Let's go get him. And that's the story of the beast. Go beast. You're the beast. Everybody loves the beast. Okay, so I'm very confused now. So it says next issue, mutants, mutants everywhere. But where's the missing link? So I'm very confused. Are we going to be seeing Mitoxo or are we going to see the missing link? Um, Both of those. You think so? Maybe Mitoxo is the missing link. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, all right. Mitoxo the Lava Man or the Missing Link? I didn't know that Beast could jump off of large heights and absorb the impact. That was new to me. Adam, it says it right here. He's got big muscles that can absorb the power of him jumping off a building. I know, I'm just saying I didn't know until now. And he says, but if I use every muscle expertly, I can absorb the impact. He likes to shout, too. (laughs) Bump. Anyhow, there you go, folks. That's uh, that's X-Men number 48. I'm going to do the sound effect version of that. Bwump. Bwump. Blat. Oh. That was it. Nice. <laughs> uh, big things in the store coming up. Uh, we, we may or may not be doing a little angel mini saga. I think we're going to do a little angel mini saga. And then uh, we'll, we'll rejoin the podcast with its regularly scheduled issue and... Uh, uh, hopefully, big things will happen. But in the meantime, dear listener, I look to Wait, you. Wait, I got, oh, I got something. Go, go. I was read. I read the uh, the letters page of this uh, this issue, and there was a, there was a funny letter by Werner Leopold. Okay, which he says, 
X-Men 44 seemed to be a filler issue. That is, you did not want to continue your main plot, probably because you had the X-Men appearance scheduled for Avengers 53 next month, so you filled X-Men 44 with a bunch of garbage. The idea of a guy going against his adopted race to save a people he cannot recall is beyond me. And he goes on to ask such silly questions as, uh, how come you changed the title from the X-Men to the X-Men featuring? And they answer that by saying, oh, the X-Men will still be the title, but the emphasis will be on them as individual mutant superheroes rather than as a team. Enough said. Remember that next issue. Enough said, everybody. It's the X-Men Presents, much like Marvel Comics Presents from here on out. No changes, ipso facto, me toxo, the Lava Man will be featured next issue. He's the missing link. He is. He is the missing link. In fact, I believe the issue will be called The X-Men Presents, me toxo, the Lava Man. The missing link. The missing link. <laughs> They're just going to put as many words as possible on, this, on the uh, cover page. and they'll, they'll a little bit Why more. not? This issue was Computo plus his amazing commander of the robot hivedness. That's the longest title we've had so far, I think. This issue was absolutely awful. Really? I thought it was pretty good. It was a quick read, don't get me wrong. And uh... I mean, it, admittedly, the whole thing resolved itself within the last page when Quasimodo showed up and ran away. Other than that, it was pretty good. <laughs> it's reminiscent of our uh, uh, Maga Yohi, or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, it was silly, but these one-offs, like I always say, I like the one-offs. Yeah, all right. They're fun. You can't deny their funness. I deny their funness. I de- when when we get to a good one-off, and we'll get to a good one-off, I'm sure of it at some point. I'll let you know. You but... subterranean satanic worshiper. <laughs> um. Uh, so, folks, um, I noticed that uh, the Facebook page there seems to have 56 likes. That's pretty cool. I think I think you might have 57 now. Get out of here! That must have happened within like last hour. I'm oh, like, I could be wrong then. I'm neurotically hitting refresh. Like every, no, I'm not. I, <laughs> I just check every now and again. Uh, sadly, though, we're we're falling, and and I don't know how iTunes does its rankings or its search results or whatever, but we're falling. We're, we're, we're well. I think there's just no activity happening on the on the like activity has to be happening. So apparently, activity has been happening, and uh, and now it's dried off. So maybe we need to post episodes more regularly, and then we need people to subscribe. More regularly, yeah. Tell us, tell us what you think we could do to make our uh, podcast better. Yeah. What do you, the listener, want? We'll take it into uh, you know careful consideration, and we will um, definitely take it into careful consideration if you also leave a five star review on iTunes with a little paragraph saying like these guys are great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, Adam, uh, do you have any follow ups you want to add to this? No, I'm. I can't wait till the Mitoxo issue featuring the X Men or yeah. X Men featuring Mitoxo. I believe it's going to be the Age of Mitoxo. Yes. <sighs> yes. Fine. I'll stop it. <laughs> Until next week, folks. The danger room is closed. <laughs> <laughs>